And we've been going through a series uh, about Jesus's power, about Jesus's power. And today we're going to be talking about his power in his teaching, his authority in his teaching, his power in his teaching. And if you have your Bible, I want you to open up to Matthew chapter 7. That's where we're going to be spending our time today, at the end of Matthew chapter 7. If you have a black Bible, uh, one that's in the seats, it's going to be page 812. Page 812, that's where you'll be, okay? Um, Man, life is chaos. Life is chaos. Uh, I have two distinct memories about a little bit of chaos um, they both have to re- they both uh, are in regard to rafting trips okay so I have one trip uh, where me and my wife we went um, up into the mountains and we went down a, uh, in a rafting trip and and we had a really good guide and we were, we, we went down the river and man thing the water was flowing fast we hit huge rapids, but we had a great time. We had a great time. Got sunburnt, um, but it was an awesome time, right? We had, we had a fantastic time, even though the water was insane. There was another time, though, when I was in college where I, it wasn't, it didn't start as a rafting trip. It started as a floating trip, uh, but the, a couple weeks before, it had been raining and raining and raining, and on this river that was just supposed to be a floating trip, uh, turned a little dangerous, um, but with the big difference wasn't how fast and how chaotic the water was. It was that in that raft that we were floating down the river, and this other in, the, in this other trip is that we had no guide. We had it was just a bunch of people who got who rented a raft and went down the river. Right, it was supposed to be a floating trip, like not crazy. Well, what ended up happening about halfway through is that there was two different rafts that uh, got caught in a current to the right side. You were supposed to cut to the left and right, to the right side. And the water had risen so high and a tree had fallen down that they, they were going too fast and they couldn't do anything about it. And they ended up ramming into this tree. And one of the boats wrapped around the tree. And the people just went flying out of the boats. Like, they, they went flying. The, the, everything just went ev- everywhere. And it was really because we were in a dangerous place in some chaotic waters without anybody to tell us what to do, right? And the people got in some dangerous spots that day. And today I want to talk about how our lives are chaotic. We get into some dangerous waters and our lives seem to flow wherever they want to go. And we seem to not have a lot of control. But I think the Bible teaches us, and we're going to look at today, how can we know even how to live our lives in this chaotic world when we're going down a river that is just out of control. And you got trees in the way, and you got boulders in the way, and you better know what to do or you're gonna wipe, you're gonna wipe out and be in trouble. How can we know what to do? And today we're gonna look at that. We're gonna look at the power of Christ's teaching and how it can it can guide us and it can change our lives. And today we need to go through three things today. Uh, first, I want you to consider three things today. First, I want you to consider your position with Jesus. I want you to consider your position with Jesus. Secondly, I'm going to ask you to consider the power of his words. What does that mean for you? And lastly, we're going to look and consider what holds up 
your life? What holds up the pillars in your life? I think by then we'll have an answer to our chaotic world. But let's pray, and let's then let's dive, dive in the Word. Jesus, thank you for your Word. God, thank you for your truth. Um, God, thank you for your provision in our lives. God, we I just ask just right now that your Spirit would continue to move, that your Word would ring true in our hearts, that it wouldn't just be something we hear or we know, but something we we live and we experience through you. Jesus, I pray that you would become great and mighty in our lives, and we would become less. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Matthew chapter 1. And we're going to not jump around a ton, but a little bit. First, we're going to start in, I said Matthew chapter 1. I meant Matthew 7, okay? Don't jump over there. Don't be confused. Uh, Matthew chapter 7. We're going to start in verse 21, so near the end of the chapter. Near the end of the chapter. Verse 21, and let's read 21 through 23. It says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, on that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. This passage has haunted me, I think, for a long time in wrestling with this this passage and um, really like what is what is God saying here? And today I want us to first consider our position with Jesus. Because we won't be able to understand the chaotic world that we live in unless we first grapple with this. So what is your position with Jesus? And what I mean really by that is what this passage is asking us is why do you even follow him? If you call yourself a follower of Jesus, why do you follow him? Do you follow him to say, Lord, Lord, and then get what you want? You're using him as a a genie, and he's just another spirit? He's a token for you to get what you want? Jesus doesn't allow, allow that. These people in this passage, there's some who would call him Lord, Lord, and they would even perform miracles they would do great acts of of great acts uh, for him and for his name but what's the big distinctive is that they didn't know him and he did not know them you see there is a there's something we need to understand when it comes to Jesus and that Jesus is just not some other guy but that he's God and um, I think it's important to think about this way. Have you ever thought about why Jesus was killed? Like, why, why did they kill him? And not only that, why did they kill the apostles after him? And then why did they kill the, the many, many, many martyrs who died for the sake of Jesus' name? Why does, why does that happen? Right? It wasn't because... Jesus was like, hey, guys, I'm going to save you from your sins. Don't worry about anything else. You know, that's it. He, he wasn't doing that, right? Jesus didn't come just to become our Savior. That's not what the kingdom of God is 
is preached about, right? He came to become both Savior and Lord. And when you add those things and you hold those things together, when he's calling people to his kingdom, he's calling people to call him Savior and Lord. And for a lot of people, that's an issue, especially for our culture, because who is Lord of our lives? We are, right? We grow up in a culture in the wonderful United States of America where we say, you are in charge of your life. And Jesus is calling people and saying, if you want to follow me, you don't just call me Lord, Lord, but you really, I am really your Lord. What I say, you do. You know, you can act like you are. You can do miracles. But it doesn't mean that Jesus is really Lord, that you're following him with all that you have. And you, you say, God, you are my Lord. You're the one who calls the shots. Because you can do it by your actions and pretending. You can also say stuff you don't even mean. <clears throat> have you guys ever watched The Crown? Watched that show? I'm a nerd. I like history stuff, and that's a good history documentary. It's great. The Crown. So it's on Netflix if you have Netflix, if you like Netflix. Um, but anyways, it's about uh, the Queen Elizabeth, who is still alive, Her Majesty. <laughs> right? <laughs> she is still around, and it's amazing. Um, but it goes to her beginning of her story when she became queen when she was very, very, very young. Um, amazing, amazing story and all the trauma that goes kind of through her life. But whenever you come before a king, a queen of royalty, you never, you never just come before them and say, hey, man. Or like, you don't come before them and say, hey, bud, what's going on? You know, that doesn't happen. When you come before a king or queen, more back then than than now today that we would understand because we live in America where we don't have kings or queens. We have presidents and governors, right? But when you come before a royalty, what you do is you bow before them. And you say, you are my, you are my Lord. And when we come before Jesus, we're saying that he is king, that he is Lord, and we're bowing, our, submitting our will to his. But what we also do when we come before the Lord of heaven and earth, is that we're saying that, Jesus, I have nothing. Like, I have nothing. I'm just guilty, and I have nothing. So I need you to be my Lord. I'm submitting to you, but I also need you to be my Savior. Does that make sense? Like, Jesus is not calling for people who just want to call him Lord or act like he's Lord, but that are really Lord of, his li- of their lives. They will get on their knees and submit themselves to him. Consider your position with the king. Consider your position with Jesus. Have you bowed your heart, your life before him? This passage is difficult because it calls us to give up everything that we want so much. Consider your position with Christ. Why do you follow him? Is he your Lord and your Savior? You need him to be both. You can't have it any other way. I want us to look, jump a couple verses, and consider something else as well. 
I want us to consider the power of his words. I want us to consider the power of his words. Uh, we're going to skip that little passage in 24. We're going to skip 24 and 27. We're going to come back to it just in a second. But 28 and 29 is where we're going to pick up reading in chapter 7. It says this, And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. All right, this doesn't make a lot of sense unless you understand what a scribe is. All right? So a scribe was an expert of the law. They knew the law back and forth. Anybody want, anybody is desiring to be a lawyer? Anybody is, is a lawyer? No? Okay. All right. Uh, that's fine. Uh, this is the kind of, these guys were the lawyers, right? The experts. They knew the law back and forth. They were students of it. They knew it with everything that they had. But what made the people di- what made these people different than how Jesus was teaching? When I was in um, New York City uh, this past this past fall, I had an opportunity to go a couple different places. Uh, I was there for a prayer uh, gathering, which was amazing. Um, but I got I had a couple opportunities to go to a couple different places, and one of the places I went was the nine uh, eleven uh, memorial. So where they have it is in the basement of the world, one of the towers. So that got destroyed. All right. So it's in the bottom, in the basement. So you go underground in this massive, massive area. And it's awesome. If you go to New York City and you've never been there, you have to go there. It It is well worth your time to go there. Um, but I went in there and I didn't know really what to expect. I remember when I was a, I remember when I was a kid, when, um, uh, when, 9-11 happened, and that was kind of traumatic, so I was experiencing some, some emotions, right, to go in. But one thing I wasn't expecting is that when I went in, I, uh, I went in, and then we went down to the basement, huge opening. It just keeps going farther down. <clears throat> I didn't expect to learn about how the building was made. Is that, is that weird? Okay, it's kind of weird. But that's, I went in there, and I didn't expect that, but I learned so much about how they had to dig so far down and they had to build a wall to prevent the Hudson River water from kind of making a big slurry and destroying all their work um, and then they had to have all these plans to build these giant structures there was so much to even learn about and understand if you're an architect or an engineer you probably get it more than I do I, I was just amazed by it so I was there and I was learning a lot about what how this place was made and um and what what took it i mean how it how it fell apart um but i was learning about all this and and really studying it and it made me think about this that the story made me think about this passage because these scribes are people who understand right they understand back and forth that inner workings, kind of like I was trying to figure out the inner workings of how you would build a giant structure like that. They know where to where the weight needs to rest. They know that they need to put a wall up so the Hudson River doesn't come and destroy everything that they're doing. They know all these steps of what to do, and they made a plan for it. But what makes the scribes in the Bible different from Jesus is the scribes were studying what had been created. But Jesus wasn't studying it. 
He wasn't a student of the law. He was the author of the law. Does that make sense? Like, he wasn't a student of the law. He was the author of the law. He was the creator of the world. See, considering his words is this, that he's not someone who just wants to give you some good advice. And, hey, let's try to understand what the Bible is saying. I I do that with a a lot of students, right? Because I'm not God. But Jesus is God. When he talked to the people, he was telling them what God says because he is God. His power was, his words were reality. And from chapter 5 in Matthew to now, you have this whole sermon where people are hearing and listening. And they're like, this is not like the scribes. The scribes tell us, oh, maybe this is what the Bible says. Or maybe this is what we should do. And Jesus is saying, do this, because this is what God wants from you. Do this, because this is what God desires. And they're like, how does he know? He knows because he is the king of the universe. And his words are powerful and true because he made everything. He is the author of the Bible, of this world. He is the author of all things. And I want us to consider one more thing. So we considered our position. Where are we standing before God? Are we running our own lives or not? We consider his powerful words. Are they true? They are true. And they're from the author of life, author of this world. And last, we need to consider this. We need to consider what holds up our lives. What holds up the pillars of our lives? Verses 24 and 27 say this. So run, come back with me into the passage. Say this. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat at that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell, and great was the fall. What holds up your life? What is your foundation? When I was going down those rivers, I, my foundation really in trusting was in the, our guide, right? The first, the first story I told you, I had a guide who knew what he was doing, right? And I trusted him. We had a great time. The second time, we had no guide, no idea what we were doing, put ourselves in a serious, dangerous situation. Someone, like, I'm surprised no one died at that time. And we, there were some people who were really hurt and injured. It was a really terrible experience. What is holding up your life? Here we have an, an analogy that Jesus shows us, right? He's, He's showing us that if you trust in what I'm saying and you do it, you'll be like someone who builds their life, their house on a foundation that cannot be moved. Guys, we're going to hit chaos in our life. If you're not living in chaos right now, just get ready. It's, it's coming, right? You're going to hit chaos in your life. 
things that are just out of control. Thing, the wind is going to come beat on you. The waves are going to come crash on you. But the thing is that God is the perfect God. He is the foundation. He is the foundation that, that establishes us and that doesn't let us fall apart when everything else is falling apart. When the rapids and the waves are pushing us around and wanting us to, to bring us down, he holds us up. If he is a pillar of your life, nothing can, nothing can bring you down. This is a person that the Bible calls someone who fears the Lord. I don't know if you've heard that term before. Someone who fears the Lord. It doesn't mean that they're afraid of the Lord in a sense, like we would think about being afraid of a clown or being afraid of falling, right? But they have a fear and an awe of God. They see him as who he is, as the Lord of the universe. They're people who have bowed their knee to the king. And they're people who are trusting him by saying, God, guide me. God, let me build my foundation on you. They're people who fear the Lord because chaos is coming, but they trust in him. But guys, there's also people, and some of us and me as well, who would hear the teachings of Jesus. They would hear how he loves them, how he would do anything for them. They would hear on the ways that they should live their lives. But instead, they would decide to jump in a boat without a guide in a dangerous river. They would decide to build their house on sand. They would trust themselves to make the best decision. They rely on the passions and pleasures for the best decision. They create their own blueprint of what to create for their lives and how to do it and rely on that. Jesus says to those people, if you do that, your life is like a house built on sand. And when the chaos comes, it's going to fall apart. It's going to fall apart. Because we have a choice. We have a great God who loves us and cares for us. And this might seem like this God is like above us, right? He's the guide. He knows everything. But what's beautiful about our God, about this Jesus who has a power in his words, our reality, is that he invites us not just to learn from him, but to partake with him and to come into his kingdom with him. We're not so far removed from him that he hasn't made a way for us to get to him. And that way is through his son, from saying, God, you're, you're Lord, and I need you to be Lord and Savior of my life. So how can we live our lives in a chaotic world? I would challenge you, if you want to survive this chaotic world that, that is happening right now, is you need to first find out what your position is with Christ. Are you the Lord of your life? Do you walk up to Jesus and say, hey, I'm king. I don't know who you are, but I'm king. Those people, 
At the end of time, he says, I don't know you. Go away from me. Or have you submitted your life to him? Have you also considered his powerful words, that his words are true because they're from God? He's the perfect God. He's the perfect guide of life because he knows all. He created it all. He knows how it's broken. And he knows what to do right. And have you considered have you considered your life and what you've built it upon? On his teachings or on your own decisions? Today I want to ask uh, the band. I don't know where you guys went. You guys go, go ahead and come up if you guys can. I want to give you guys a time to respond. I want to give you time to respond. And maybe this is the first time you have heard about Jesus, about the need for us to lay down our lives before him, to say you are Lord, and I need you to be Lord and the Savior of my life. If this is the first time, or maybe you've heard it before, but your heart is ready to move forward in that, I want to give you opportunity to respond to that. Jesus is welcoming you to come to him and respond. And if you want to do that, you can come and talk to me, and I think Nate will be down here as well. Yeah, you will. All right, and uh, and we can talk you through it, or we'd love to just set up a time to meet with you. And you also have a lot of friends who love you, and they would love to talk to you about this as well. But one big thing I want you guys to think about and respond to today and give you an opportunity to do is I want to give you an opportunity to respond to the Lord by taking a knee in front of him in a physical way. Like, if you have been at a place where you've been saying, God, you're not my Lord, I'm going to make my own decisions, here is an opportunity to turn and say, God, you are Lord. I need you to be Lord, and I need you to be Savior. And I want to give you an opportunity to come. You can come down to the front. You can do it at your chair but to actually move your body, to resonate from your heart and say, God, you are Lord. And I'm confessing by kneeling to everybody else. I'm saying, God, you are Lord. And I want to follow you. I don't want to just make my own path. Or maybe you're in a place, not that you have been rebelling, but you have been in chaos. And you need a king who can save you. He is that king. You need to come and kneel. Come before him and ask for his help. So that's why I want to do this morning as we respond. Is that there is a great king, King Jesus, that you can come and kneel before and lay your life before him, your chaotic life. You can also lay out your rebellious life before him. He is both Lord and he is both Savior And he wants you to come before him because he is a gracious king. So for the next uh, song, just open up the front. If you feel like you need to do that, I urge you, don't just stay in your seat, but move your body to resonate what's going on in your heart and say, God, you are Lord. And I need you to be Lord. And come and pray and ask him to rule and reign in your life.